It's the Derek and Mike podcast. Hit us up on Twitter at Derek and Mike pod or on our website, DerekandMike.com. Thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate you being here. My name is Mike. This is my boy, Derek. What's up, Mike? What's up, everybody? Derek, I saw something on the freeway yesterday that made me literally laugh out loud alone in my truck like a crazy person. And I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget to tell you about it because I think you'd appreciate it. Oh, nice. Nice. Let's hear uh, I don't know if you have graffiti all over freeway overpasses where you live, but uh, <laughs> no. Southern California is a veritable canvas of graffiti. Uh, any flat surface is typically covered in some gangsta's name or just fucking paint of some kind, right? Right, right. Uh, <laughs> I, I get a kick out of taggers' names. Sometimes they're funny, sometimes they're not. This one was particularly funny. And as I was driving under a freeway overpass in giant, colorful tagger letters, this guy wrote his name, which is Enema. Oops. Fucking <laughs> Enema. His tagger name is Enema. Oh, well, I guess in his mind, he's like, I'm like enemy, but with an A. I'm like a- I wonder if he even knows what it means. Like, oh, dude, maybe it's like plural of enemies. I'm all enemies. I'm Enema. <laughs> I'm like, no, dude, you're butt cleanser. Yeah. <laughs> you need to take a picture of that. That's hilarious, man. It, it was so fast. It was one of these rare moments where I was like driving at a normal speed under the freeway overpass. I mean, normally you're you're stopped in traffic and I would have had plenty of time to take pictures uh, of it. But no, I zoomed under it and I hadn't even think for a second. I was like, did that say enema? What? That guy, that guy's name was Enema, and I'm trying to process it. Like that couldn't be. No one would choose a tagger name Enema, and then risk their life on a freeway overpass to paint that for all passersby to see. But no, no, fucking Enema is gutsy and proud of his uh, of his name. Well, it could like be him. a girl too, though, right? I mean, oh, uh, well, traditionally, Enema is a, a like Sarah, uh, Melissa, uh, you know. Real oh. names end with A, so maybe it's the female version of enemy. <laughs> enema. Oh, my God. She's like, I am the enemy. I am enema. They probably oh thought they were being all clever, too, obviously, huh? It's like, oh, yeah, enema. I don't know, dude. Or maybe it's someone with a sense of humor like like you, where they're it just like, be. yeah, you're talking about it. You're out there promoting my name right now. <laughs> Fucking enema, dude. Yeah. It's that's, brilliant, if that's, that's true. the case. That's they're true. genius. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, dude. So that was uh, I, I couldn't wait to tell you about it. There, there's a tagger out there named Enema, and he's pretty good art. Or maybe he or she. I'm sorry. I keep saying he. That's sexist of me. Could be. Could be a gal. Uh, he or she is really talented. I mean, the lettering was fantastic, and it was a fucking uh, a pretty dangerous looking place to be tagging your name right over the freeway overpass there. So if you had a tagger's name, I think you would be called Schmooky. Schmooky. That's not tough. Like, it's hard to be no, like, oh, it's not. <laughs> hey, man, my tagger name is Schmooky. Hey. Fucking recognize. It's better than Enema, though. It is better than Enema. Um, I mean, practically any tagger name is better than Enema. Enema meets Schmooky. 
I'd rather be like Care Bear or something like that than than Enema. Here's my buddy Fluffs. Fluffs. Fluffs is kind of cool. If you're a big fat guy, I, I think Fluffs could actually be kind of cool. Like self-deprecating. Like, yeah, I know I'm fat. My name's Fluffs. Like, yeah, yeah all right. I, I, I like that. I like yeah. that, Fluffs. Man. Yeah. Do you guys have tagging out there? Do you get a lot of that, or is that just a SoCal thing? It's not at all. Here. Yeah, not at all. Um, all right. You will see it. Uh, there are a couple areas where you'll see it, but it's really just like, I don't know. It's not like the the tagging where people are like, um, you know how they equate it to like pissing on a building, guys pissing on a building, and uh-huh. it's kind of like marking your territory. It doesn't. It's not so much like that. It might... Usually it'll say like a statement or it'll carry some kind of uh, artistic uh, attempted weight. You know, I think it's not so much just like uh, put your initials on there. I mean, and um, and that exists too. Don't get me wrong. I don't think any place is totally free of that. But yeah, you will never see it anywhere else in, you know, other than kind of a downtown abandoned type of area. Oh, just kind of the shithole slums or whatever. Yeah, a place where you'd probably be scared to walk through, like an alley or something, you know, you might see it All there. Right. But yeah, yeah, you don't no, want to get, like, beat up by Enema or something. No, I don't want Enema coming after me. And, and you know, that's part <laughs> of the reason, too. Like, uh, uh, it's definitely one of the kind of reasons that I moved out of L.A. Um, it's not because of the tagging itself, but, uh, like, the things that Esme would see on the billboards when I would drive her to school. Like at the time, I guess she was three or at the most, and she would get scared of these billboards. And it just like, and you know, I look at them, I don't pay much attention to them often, but like Mm -hmm. from a a three year old's perspective, they see those things and like then they start crying. And you're like, What's the matter? And she's like, I don't want to see that billboard there. I'm like, Oh my gosh, you know, it really starts to wake you up. And I think I told you the story too, where on, uh, um, somebody was playing Ninja on Santa Monica Boulevard trying to jump oh, over cars. Yeah, you get some weird people on. I don't know what they're on. What do you think they're on when they act that like crazy, just like screaming at the sky, yelling at cars as they pass by? Like, is that a PCP thing or are they on heroin or what? What, what drug causes you to literally yell at passing cars or scream at a sky or kung fu a brick wall or something? Yeah, I think you could be right. Maybe it's it, PCP. Uh, I don't All think right. it's heroin. I think with heroin you fall asleep because I think heroin's is... like a super chill drug, right? You just kind of like lay lay back and and dream or fall asleep or like relax. I think, I don't or, think or look cars. like you're dead um, at yeah. four p.m. in the afternoon, laying on a sidewalk uh, when it's ninety five degrees outside. Um, <laughs> and, and I say that because that's what happened when I would go to pick up Esme at uh, her school because she was on um, Sunset Boulevard, and I'd yeah. go pick her up. And I'm literally walking by these people that like, you know, you can tell the positions they're laying in because they're kind of like in not a controlled position. They look like they're out so badly that they're in a kind of an uncomfortable position, but they could care less because they're in happy land. Sure. Um, But yeah, man, there was just such a a downward spiral that I saw in those uh, last couple of years. And like, you know, when you grow up with a, a child, you start to really look through their eyes. And when you see like a, a goat head uh, on top of a man's body, like holding up like uh, whatever the devil signs or whatever, uh, it's kind of like 
yeah, you know, this is not the best place for me to uh, have my child here. It's interesting to think about that because it certainly never even occurred to me before I had kids that seeing things through a kid's eyes, um, things like you said, like billboards, like it would never even cause a second look for me. And then your kid, like you said, your little daughter's crying and goes, I don't want to see that. And you look at it and go, oh, shit, I guess that is scary. I didn't even think about it. Um, or the crazy druggies yelling at cars or, or you know, roundhousing a, a wall. You just kind of look at them and, you know, I, I, I honestly feel bad for those people. Um, just kind of like, oh, man, that guy sucks. Or, I mean, or it sucks for that guy. But I also don't want him in my city. And it was just kind of like, man, I wish he would go... Uh, we should would go punch walls somewhere else. Like, goddamn, that that sucks. I feel bad for him, but I don't really want him around on the sidewalks. Um, yeah, yeah. No, who wants to live near that? I mean, anybody that would uh, say that is obviously lying. And no, you're right. Sucks. I mean, what what can you do? It's like a mental health issue. And you know, I, I think a lot of times we look at our system, and we oftentimes will treat the uh, drug issues as if they're criminal. Criminal, and a lot of times they're not. Yeah. Um, I don't know what the answer is. I don't think anybody does, but no, nobody forces anybody to take drugs and, you know, really well, they're and whatever kind of, the answer is whether there's a solution or whatever, but it, it's really tough to expose your kids to that because a, you, it's dangerous. I mean, you don't want them out there walking home from school on those streets and, or even, but you don't even want to have to explain like what that guy's doing. You know, why, Hey, why is that guy screaming at the sun? You're just like, ah, uh, he's, he's having a bad day, sweetheart. Or what do you say? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I, I found myself in that position too, when there was, um, heavy, it, it started getting to the point when I was there in like 2019 where there was heavy encampments and, mm. um, it kind of started North in the Hollywood area, not North Hollywood, but like on sunset. And then it started just creeping lower and lower. I mean, like more Southern and Southern. Because we lived on La Brea and 12th, and there used to never be anything over there. And now, from what I understand, there's like complete encampments. Like, pe I mean, people, they pitch a tent like on the corner, on the side of the road there. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I ha I've had to explain to her, like, she's like, why are they uh, sitting on a couch in the middle of the uh, sidewalk? And I'm like, well, honey, they, that was tough. Like, they don't have a home. You know, but you can't lie yeah. to her either. But no, yeah. You know. But you want to you want to give her some information she can wrap her mind around. You know, you don't want to. I mean, it's 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 hard to imagine. Like they're they're perceiving the world, they're seeing all that kind of stuff, but they certainly don't have a big enough frame of reference to fully take it in and make sense of it all. So you do got to be careful what you're telling them. But yeah, like you said, you don't want to lie to them. Uh, yeah, that's tough, man. And I would just prefer to avoid that situation. I think that was maybe like what you're getting at is you got tired of explaining the chaos and the, the poverty or the the crap of of L.A., uh, which there's a lot of nice stuff in L.A. It's it's a, a big mixture of, of nice versus horrible. Um, but, yeah, having a, having a kid there really makes you see things that you probably just didn't even look twice at before you have a kid. Yeah, it's it's definitely not a place to have a kid. No, um, I I really don't. That's that's one of the best things that we've done was to move out of there. Mm -hmm. uh, just when she was, I mean, the prices of everything was skyrocketing. Yeah, there are some things about LA we absolutely love. Um, but I'll tell you what, I, we got out of there like 
just in the nick of time before like everything shut down completely. You and, did. And, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You guys bolted right before kind of everything just hit the fan and it's been so weird. I mean, LA has been one of the most restrictive, hardest hit by COVID and all that, but also mo one of the most restrictive, one of the most difficult places to maintain a business through the whole pandemic. I mean, there's a lot of different ways to look at it, but um, LA has been hit particularly hard and uh, yeah, you guys, you guys got the hell out of Dodge and just, just in time. Yeah. You know, talking about, um, I wanted to touch on that subject that we were just talking about, you know, about telling your kid the truth or not telling them the truth, because this was something that I kind of had a little revelation about and, and I agree, you can't tell them everything. And sometimes you can't tell them what you're talking about even but there's been times when my wife and I would be talking about something or someone and Esme would like correctly guess it. You know, she'd be like, oh, are you talking about um, uh, Phyllis or, or somebody? And we're like, uh, and we got in a habit sometimes of saying like, no, no, we're not, even though she correctly guessed it, you know? And and I, I told, I was talking to Megan, I'm like, you know what? I don't want her to second guess her, her senses here. Like she's right. You know what I mean? She's correct oh. about who she's guessing that we're talking about. And right. don't get me wrong. Like, and I'm, we're teaching her to second guess your, your correct presumptions. Oh you man, know? that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. She's developing an intuition and yeah. even a, a confidence in herself to even say out loud, if she thinks, Oh, I think my parents are talking about Phyllis. And then to be confident enough to say, hey, are you guys talking about Phyllis? And then you just crush that assumption. Um, that could totally make her second guess herself. Um, yeah, become less less sure about her own instincts. And man, that's 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 an interesting thing that you could easily just brush aside. Um, yeah, it's, but, and it's so easy to do as a parent, right? Because, yeah. you, you know, we, we talk in code. Uh, we, we spell things as long as we can until they start to learn how to spell. You're probably uh -huh. in that stage right now. Sometimes yeah. where you're like spelling things out. You're like, oh, it's time for F-O-O-D and then we're time for B-E-D, you know? Yeah, uh, yeah. And then they start getting that and then they guess it. And then, yeah, you just, uh, um, it was one of those things where I'm just like, you know, this is not the proper thing. We need to uh, be up and up with her. There's no reason. Uh -huh. I, I don't want to lie to my daughter, you know? There's no yeah. reason for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you even kind of look at yourselves too. Like if, um, uh, do we really want to be doing things that we have to lie about? Um, you know, were we saying something negative about someone? And then that creates the idea in the kid's head where the kid's like, oh, mommy and daddy were talking smack on this person, but they act so nice to her when she's around, you know? Yeah. That's kind of a weird thing. And, and uh, I try to be careful of that just in my own personal thing. Like I really don't want to be a gossipy guy and I think humans are naturally gossipy and maybe it serves some sort of a, a herd behavioral um, thing that we're all just, that's ingrained in all of us. So there's some sort of desire or pleasure in gossip that we well, all it's seem natural, to have I some think, more right? than others. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's like, you know, you, and especially as a couple, right? You, you got to, if you get new news <laughs> about something or someone that's close to you, you want to share it, right? So you're, you're going to yes. share, you got to broadcast the news somehow. So um, you want to share it. Like I just, I just heard, I just heard, uh, Steve is cheating on Jennifer. 
and my wife knows Jennifer and I know Steve and I just found out Steve's cheating on Jennifer. I have this desire to tell her something I know about someone we both know. Like, hey, did you know that Steve's doing this to Jennifer and then she knows and all that? But like, what's the benefit to anybody for me indulging in the pleasure of passing gossip? You know, there's actual potential harm, uh, but there's no real benefit to anybody, to myself, to the wife, certainly not to Steve or Jennifer. It's a weird thing that we do that we take pleasure in gossip. But it is so inherent in in our natural behavior that that it's hard not to do it. And I really do try to just focus on it like, hey, uh, I'm just gossiping right now Um, and either catch myself saying it or try to hopefully catch myself before I say it. Like, I don't want to indulge in gossip. I can't honestly say I never do, but I do consciously try not to. Well, I kind of see like, um, you know, there's a graduated line between gossip and news too, right? I mean, well, yeah. because there, the, you know, you may need to know a little bit of information about somebody that you're close to and sure. uh, you, you're going to want to pass that to your, your spouse, you know, or and even so just, it's not necessarily gossip. I mean, even though there may be an emotional component for the person that's involved in it, but you know, I, I, I kind of see it just kind of calling a spade a spade, really not not like getting all negative on a person, but like, oh, okay, I gotcha. Yeah. Well, and that's even difficult too, is if you are talking about someone, it's hard not to adopt a positive or negative tone to it or whatever. And I really try not to talk badly about people. Again, I'm, I don't pretend that I never do it, but I try to, I try not to do it. Um, I, I try to subscribe to the idea of if you don't have anything good to say about someone, don't say anything. Um, and yeah, I'm not you're good perfect at, that. at you, it. No, you've always been really good at that. I think, um, I, I try yeah. and I, and I'm certainly not perfect. I do find myself, um, being judgy and gossipy or whatever, just not a lot. And I do find it a turnoff in other people, especially in when other people do it a lot. And you know, someone's like, Hey, if someone says something bad about another person, it's not like, Oh, you said something once. And now I think you're a revolting person, but you kind of, we all know people who, really enjoy talking smack on other people, yeah. you know, and to me, that's a big turnoff. Yeah. Especially when they just break into it, you know, like, Oh, Hey, did you hear such and such? And it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's a, it's a piece of useless information other than to make the other person look like crap. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, it's like, Oh, Hey, did you hear about such and such did such and such? And it's like, uh, it's just so draining to listen to you too. Yeah, yeah, I just don't want to engage in it. I'm just kind of like, ew, gross. I don't want to swim in that pool. Like, uh, I'm going to go get another beer. I'm going to get out of this conversation. I got to bail. Yeah, it does feel yeah. bad, you know, and it's like, yeah. you know, real, realistically, like, if you're, our own goal is to feel good as a person, which we all have that goal, but some people, I think we just don't realize when we talk smack about somebody that it, it makes us feel bad first. But I think some people feel better by talking badly about others like is it almost as as basic as you know by lowering other people you elevate yourself yeah kind of thing I, mm-hmm. I think that's part of it like an insecurity thing maybe just like oh hey if I highlight the faults of others then it makes me appear better uh, yeah. which totally doesn't happen uh, to anybody else except in your own head because other people hear you talk about talk negatively about people and they think negatively negatively about you you know yeah um but I think people, uh, maybe it's like a, 
that's kind of how I see it, at least, when I see someone who always wants to talk badly about other people or point out faults. To me, it reads worse on the person saying it, and it makes me think, like, oh, you're really insecure if the if all you want to talk about is how bad other people are. Yeah, yeah. No, you know? uh, and then there I am. I'm judging. <laughs> Here you are, Mike. You're, yeah. you're you're putting them down to lift yourself up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm like, look at you, you peon, just talking crap on other people. You're so much worse than me. You're way down there, and I'm way up here. You know that is one of the Zen uh, precepts. Um, is uh, I will not uh, put others down to lift myself up. And I think it's worded something just like that too, like you were saying. I think that's a good cardinal rule for everybody. And it's good to keep in mind that what you're doing, you're you're lifting yourself up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But are you really? Like maybe in your own mind it feels that way, and it shouldn't, but maybe it does. It certainly doesn't come off that way to others. Other people just hear you and just go, oh, you talk shit on other people. What do you say about me when I'm not around? And that's always been difficult in the past too because, you know, I think some people, they, they do function from that level and um they they enjoy it so much that it's like uh it's tough to want to connect on that level um you you know i i i want to find a different common interest uh with people yeah. than to you know so definitely like it's always draining when when all you're doing with somebody is just talking about other people you know it's like oh this is yeah. just not a very good relationship to be in yeah, uh, you know, I can't. It's just exhausting. You know what I just realized, too, is like, okay, I'm like, what, what do I enjoy in conversation? And I truly enjoy getting other people to talk about themselves. Like, I don't like talking about myself. I will, but I don't just like to start going on and talking about myself. Like, I really enjoy almost interviewing people. Like, say I just meet someone or I know them a little bit and I have an opportunity to get to know them more. I really like to learn about them and, and figure out like who they are as a person. What do they do? What do you think about that? Like, what do you think about this thing going on in the world? Like, I love, I love asking people questions and I love hearing people talk about themselves. But at the exact same time, I, I'm super turned off by people who all they talk about is themselves. Yes. So it's a weird conundrum. And I guess where I'm at with it is if I ask you about yourself, I'm super interested to hear you talk about yourself and answer my questions. I want to learn more about you. But if you just volunteer a bunch of information about yourself, I'm instantly like turned off and I go like, oh, God, this guy's just fucking blowhard. You just want to talk about yourself. <laughs> what a weird thing. No, it's true. Well, there, there's an awareness aspect to there sometimes when they don't realize that all they're doing is talking about themselves. And, uh, you know, it, what it reminds me of initially, though, is that um, you like to ask people questions and you don't like to talk about yourself and in improv it's kind of, you need to be the other way around. So I think, you know, I, I got criticized by some improv teachers, uh, rightfully so, I guess, um, because I would ask questions in improv. I'd be like, hey, well, well what do you think about this? What do you know? And, and uh, you're in improv, you're supposed to make declarative statements about yourself, you know? And, and it, it, I don't know why this is coming up, but it was like, if I was to distill down my improv training, I would say it came down to that. And I could never shake myself from asking people questions in improv and be like, hey, well, what do you think about this? You know, and uh, it drove uh, it drove a certain instructor of mine kind of uh, mad about that. But 
That's, but that's I, actually yeah. really tough when you think about you're in a, you're in a scenario and you're trying to create a scene, but you're doing it like impromptu or they're just feeding you things like, OK, now you're a salesman or, you know, oh, now you're on a boat in the middle of the ocean and go. So you're kind of like given these scenarios where you're just supposed to create a scene around it off the top of your head from the seat of your pants. I mean, it would be kind of tough not to just be like, hey, Bill, what do you think about being in the middle of the ocean or whatever, which is, I guess, lazy improv. Um, but yeah, that, that would be tough. Improv would be a fun thing to practice. I don't know if I'd ever be good at it, but I'd really enjoy trying it. Yeah. You know, I think it, it is really good for you to, uh, it was good. It was, I, well, I'll speak about myself. It was great for me because oh, you're talking about yourself. Uh, God, <laughs> insufferable. Yeah. Me, 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 <laughs> or me, 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 um, because I, I didn't have much confidence. I had zero confidence that I can do it, first of all. I thought, this is not for me. This is not for people like me. Because I kind of pegged myself as a, a specific kind of, or a particular kind of person that had like zero social skills. And come to find out, um, I could do it. And not only could I do it, but I enjoyed it. And... I saw a lot about myself and I gained a ton of confidence uh, because, you know, if you really do want to up your game, up your social skills, the way to do it is like improv. Like you go do improv and like you're going to, uh, you're, you're going to, you'll, you'll find yourself saying things that people gasp at sometimes everyone, every once in a while. I, I didn't have too many of those gaffes, but there's people that did that would like, because when you say your first thought, you know, you get, sometimes you get racism and stuff that comes out. Um, yeah. and it's not, yep. and it's not racism, like directed at like, it's not, it's not always a white people racism. It's, it's racism among anybody. Like I've seen, um, uh, um, an Egyptian guy that said some things that, uh, the crowd really found racist. Um, and then <laughs> later on he, he said something too, that was actually, uh, rather homophobic. And, um, you know, it was kind of like, do you, do you remember what he said? Yeah. He said, um, uh, oh, he said the F word like, but F A G G O T. Oh <laughs> yeah. Like, man. like, yeah. And I, you know, I can't even say that one now, but it's like, uh, um, he's like, yeah, Evett. And everybody just, we just like me and the other scene partners, because I, I this other guy was gay. I'm pretty sure he's gay. Oh God. Um, and I That's forgot one of his those name. Words, when it comes out, people just go like, Oh God, damn. You just, you, you said that. Yikes. And then he doubled down on it again too. Because, oh, oh, it wasn't even well, a slip of the tongue. Like, no. Oh dude, you, you just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, Oh man, oh. You, you know, you can't read the crowd. And what's funny is like the other scene partners, the, the other guy was gay. He was, a, uh, I'm like 95% sure he was a, a gay guy and he was, and this other guy was like his wife. 
And he was like, don't make fun of her. You know, she's great. And, and then after he said, after he said the F word, he's like, is this what you're defending? You're defending. That's what I came back. And I was like, I'm like, you're defending her now after saying this. He's like, uh, you know, so I kind of <laughs> covered it up. I tried to cover it up a little bit, you know, make it as if it was a joke, make it. Yeah. Make it as oh, if it was man. like part of the scene. Oh, you bailed him out, like, dude. You're so, you're so nice. You could have just left him out there fucking high and dry. Yeah. Yeah. I try, oh, you know, you, you got to try to do those things sometimes. But one time oh. I had a scene though, that was like, uh, um, I never, I never really got the, uh, the body size, uh, issues where like, I, uh, I guess I'm a kid from the eighties and I would call somebody that's overweight fat, you know, oh, and I, and yeah. I continued it through, <laughs> I continued it through improv. Uh -huh. It's a mistake to do it in improv. But I was like, what do you mean? And I, was, and I started poking the guy's belly. I'm like, look, look, you know, because he was like trying to fit into a, a wedding thing. And I'm like, look at you, look at you. And people were booing at me in there oh. because I was like calling oh, the person. Like fat shaming. I'm fat shaming. <laughs> people oh, were booing at me. Dude, you're like, man, come on, leave your leave your butt hurt uh, PC bullshit at the door. We're trying to be funny on the fly. Uh, yeah, I, I might call someone fat. <laughs> You, and uh, you know, here's the ironic thing. Ironically, you can't do that like at the lower levels of acting and improv, and you can't do it like it's there. There's no place for it there. And and okay, I I can help. I can defend that. But like when you get up into acting in the upper echelons of of there, it's heavily entrenched in uh, men. Uh, you know, basically pressuring women to have sex with them, or they won't get the scene. And you know, it's like it, it actually exists. Like it's it's part of the structure of Hollywood sure. is, is that whole sexism, racism, you know, a, everything. Uh, yeah. but, but you, but you can't do it like in a, at, at in the an entry improv. level, there's no knuckle dragging allowed, huh? Yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. That's hard. I would be really bad at that. Cause honestly, like you said, I'm a nineties kid, dude. Like when we used to call our friends fags, uh, and we used to make fun of fat people and all of that was just totally the norm. And it's not okay now to use that language, to to fat shame, to do uh, just a laundry list of things that aren't PC or acceptable anymore. And I don't want to make anyone feel bad. Um, like, even to use the word fag, like, I don't mean it derogatorily to homosexuals at all. Like, I've yeah. got zero mm -hmm. animosity or zero uh, anything against any kind of gayness at all. I'm a, a, a complete supporter of... Uh, gay equality and gay rights and all of those. Um, I yeah, totally. I just I don't know, dude. Like when where I grew up, when your friend was doing something, you'd be like, "Oh, fag!" You know, you just say it, and it's a terrible thing to say. And you can't say it anymore. But I can't help my mind from reverting to that comfort language, and I apologize for it. But I guarantee I won't stop saying it, or at least my brain won't stop thinking it. And if I was forced to be funny on the fly and I was on an improv stage, <laughs> it would totally come flying out of my mouth. <laughs> uh, so maybe I should not try improv. Yeah, but um, you wouldn't double down on it. No, you know, no, it's a good, it's a good thing to do. I, I actually talked to the owner of this improv um, studio or whatever it's called. It's a big one. Um, I'm not going to out him right now, but he told me that this is part of the process. He was like, no, you say the first thing that's on your mind. He's like, 
you'll get reprimanded for it if it's, you know, racist or whatever he said, but that's part of the process. Yeah, so like, like get booed now when the crowds are small uh, so you can work that out of your system later when the crowds get bigger. And also it's you're developing this um, this intrinsic awareness of what you're saying uh, more so. And it's it's conditioning you to be able to be more public friendly, you know, uh, and, that, and that's kind of that's kind of where I say that you're uh, um, well, I, I know, I know, because we immediately jumped to PC with that, right? Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, and and I get you there, but at the same time, you're also, it, there's a skill that you're learning. I mean, because your core beliefs are still going to be your core beliefs, no matter what. If you still feel like, you know, because I'm a kid from the 80s too, grew up all day long, all our, my friends and I would just be like, hey, faggot. What? Shut up, faggot. Shut up, faggot. And, and honestly, I don't know when that word turned into a gay word, really, because back then we certainly didn't mean any kind of gay connotation. I never picked up any um, kind of gay connotation to it. Maybe it's always been that way. I don't know. The, the history of the word itself is revolting. Oh, is um, it? Yeah. You, you want to? Yeah. I'll tell you. Might as well. I mean, I touched on it. So um, my understanding, and I could get some of the details wrong, but. A faggot is a bundle of sticks used as kindling. It's something that you would use to start a fire, a large fire, maybe an outdoor fire or something. Um, so to refer to someone as a faggot, a large bundle of kindling or sticks would essentially mean you are something to start a fire. Um, and it would be essentially like equating uh, a, a gay person as being worthy of being burned at the stake something like that really? uh yeah that's kind of a jump i think no it's it's well it, it would just be like all oh we would just use you to start a fire or oh, uh, oh burn, I see. burning like like you're just you're oh, you're, you're such expendable. a you're oh. so low we would just use you you're you're just yeah you're kindling basically um because they would burn gay people at the stake in those early like religious uber religious middle ages kind of things like the Salem witch trials in those days where they're burning people for their beliefs or because they're any, any kind of, any kind of outside of the socially acceptable norm. People were just deemed as fucking, um, worthy of being killed and yeah, burning would be one of the ways. And yeah. Yeah. So equating them to just a bundle of sticks to start a fire is, is what that is, which yeah, is, that like is cringeworthy. I'm, cr I'm cringing as I'm saying, as I'm saying it to you. Yeah, I, I would have never known that or yeah. or researched yeah. that or anything. And that's that probably, is pretty gross. Yeah. and I don't know how the words connect, but that's probably why cigarettes are still referred to as fags in England or France yeah, or Eng some. I know England. Europe. I don't know about France, but maybe they'll still call them fags. But that has something to do with the same word root, I assume, uh, as the the bundle of sticks for kindling. Yeah, but uh, I guess why did it stick with gay people? That that was the weird thing. Um, I don't know. It, it'd be interesting know. to to find out. Wouldn't it be interesting to like know when the first time something was said and like where it got that very first I, root from? I like word roots, um, natural word roots, and then even like slang word roots. I always find that interesting. Um, I think the word gay is even more perplexing. Like gay always meant happy. Like right yeah. up until. The middle of, of the 19th or the 18th or sorry, the 20th century, the 1900s, uh, it would mean, you know, just having a gay old time. You know, oh, I'm just uh, uh, super happy, lighthearted, fancy free, having a great day. Um, and then how that turned into only meaning homosexual. Like, 
okay, so they're happy. Like, that's really a bad thing or whatever. And maybe that's why it's more of a socially acceptable way to refer to homosexuals as being gay, uh, because it's less derogatory as some of the other words that are used to refer to homosexuals. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know how they, how they usurped gay, but yeah, gay uh, is at least they usurped good a good word. Gay is a good word. Yeah. And yeah. it just meant good literally for, for quite a while. Um, man, and it's so appropriate sometimes too, just cause just, you know, I don't know if I've talked to you much, uh, gay people. I, I love gay people. Like I love to, I have, I've in the historically I've had tons of gay friends um, and a lot of it has to do with like the Zen Center because at the Zen Center, it was a large gay community. And, you know, I, I got to say, I mean, they're just, I mean, I'm pigeonholing them here, but generally speaking, they have great style. They're, uh, they're not violent. They're not usually, uh, I don't know. They, they just tend to have some, some aspects to them that are, um, what it would be disarming, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I guess I'm with you on that too. I've, I've, I've always found it pretty easy to befriend, uh, the, I don't know, the, the few gay people that I even know are gay. I probably know more gay people than I even know. Uh, cause I'm sure lots of people just keep their sexual proclivities to themselves and that's fine. I don't know why. I always think that's weird, too. It's just kind of like, oh, this guy's disqualified from this job or this office or this acceptance in a social sphere because he's gay. It's like, dude, if you knew the sexual behaviors of all the other people who you consider in for this job or this social group or whatever, you would probably be much more revolted by what other people do or think than your assumptions of what this guy who happens to be gay does. Uh, let's just leave everyone's sexual preferences out of anywhere but their own bedrooms. Why would anyone care what anyone else does sexually? I don't want to know. Straight, gay, uh, otherwise, in between. Uh, I'm good on that. I, I'm not I'm not interested. Yeah, I, I remember one time when somebody told me they were gay. He was um, he was an older guy, and I had no idea. And um, it was so weird what came out just because I didn't know what to say. You know, I, I really was didn't he telling know. you, like revealing it to you, expecting you to have a reaction. Like, did it just come up in passing conversation or I, I feel like the context matters a lot. Like if someone just refers to it passingly, like, oh, yeah, my husband and I went to this thing last weekend and it was super fun. Like I would just brush right over that as if I'd never heard it, because to me, it makes no difference. He's just telling a story about what him and his, him and his husband did. He wasn't trying to tell me he was gay. Maybe he was subtly slipping it into a conversation, but it wasn't the point of what he was saying. But if someone just goes, yeah, I don't know if you know this or not, but um, I'm gay. No, like, you'd have to respond to that. You know? Yeah, no, he didn't do it that way. It was um, it was me and uh, uh, another friend, that friend Jeff, that I think I told you about before. And then um, this other guy. And um, he, he said something. I can't even remember what he said, but he said something that I didn't understand um, cause my frame of mind was looking at him like a straight man. And I, I don't, I don't know if I looked at him and said, what, I don't understand that. Or if I just had the face of like, I don't understand. And then he, to explain it, he was like, I'm gay. And I, I said, had, Oh dude, that's really hard for you just to give you this. I need to know what was said. Like, what could you not understand as a straight uh, person? And then the response of, Oh, I'm gay. Like, Oh, now it's all in focus. Now I totally understand what you're saying with the new information of the fact of that you're gay, uh, now I get it. 
Like, what could that be? What okay, could be it, so I, I'll I'll tell you what I thought it may have been. Okay, um, I we were at a bar. Uh, the the other guy I was with was straight. This other guy was gay, and I think there was some guys playing pool, and he was making a comment like the guy was attractive or or some comment about one of the guys at the pool. Oh, okay. Pool and table. you were kind of like, uh... And I'm like, what? He's like, oh, I'm gay. And I oh, said... all right, I said, well, that clears it up. That makes sense. I said, because <laughs> I didn't know what to say, and I was just, I, I felt so weird, uh, and I said, well, why didn't you tell me? He's like, well, what am I supposed to say? Hi, I'm such and such, and I'm gay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, serious. It's like, yeah, you know, and I'm like, yeah, I guess you got a point. Like, what? I'm not going to come out and be like, hey, I'm Derek. I'm yeah. straight. You, you know where I like to be with that scenario? Just like I like to be with all of my personal connections and friends and family and everything is I like to be on a level where I can make fun of everybody. To me, if I'm making fun of you, I like you the most. Um, and if I don't feel like I can make fun of you, then I really don't like you or I don't trust you or I don't feel like we're that close. And I don't know if it's really like that anymore. And maybe this, again, is another hearkening back from our, our 80s, 90s kids kind of upbringing is the way you showed you really liked your best friend was calling him names like fag or queer or dipshit or whatever, uh -huh. um, which sounds bad on the surface, but... That's uh, that's what I do to the people I like the most is I, I make fun of them in a very loving, endearing uh, way, <laughs> which is weird. But I want to be like that with like if I find out a friend of mine or even an acquaintance or someone from work who's, you know, pretty cool. And we've talked at the office and now we end up hanging out in some scenario where we're drinking beers. And then you find out like, oh, Phil's gay. Like, oh, dude, that makes sense. You know, or whatever. Yeah. I want to be able to make fun of him for it in a way, poke fun at him, but really in a lighthearted, loving way. Like, I don't think badly of you because you're gay, but I'm going to make fun of you for it, you know? Yeah, that that's one of the things I I do it's miss. It's hard to do that, though. Oh, I, I did it constantly at the Zen Center with those guys because oh, yeah. I, like, I was really close with all of them. They all liked me a lot, you know, and... uh we were close. We were close enough where I could just say what I what I felt, and uh, um, yeah, it was funny. I would just give him shit, like you know, I, I can't remember things that I would say to him, but yeah, I, I fuck with him about being gay all the time, and it's I, it, it was just I, I like that, and they I, loved I like it too. That. They they thought it was hilarious, you know, dude. They I think if they know you and they know that you're not a you know you're not coming from a mean spirited way, then then it's cool, right? I mean, we should all be able to make fun of each other. I miss that in today's society. There's so much butthurtedness over every little thing and this this need to be PC. And like you said, you couldn't even make a fat joke in an improv class. Like, come on, man, being fat's funny. Let's let's all just let's all loosen up a little bit. I, I don't I don't mean it negatively or meanly or whatever. I'm just I'm just fucking joking around here. It's all just relax a little bit. Yeah, no, things have definitely swung in one direction want, a little bit too far. I don't want to hurt anyone's feelings, but everyone yeah. just needs to lighten up a little. Yeah. Especially yeah, when that... comedy is related. You're going to a, like a, a stand-up comedy show or you're doing an improv class or something. Like, funny, in my mind at least, has to be edgy. And it's tough to be edgy if you're being super sensitive about everyone's feelings all the time. So let's decide we're here to laugh and let's all just relax a little bit. You know, I might make fun of your big nose or I might call someone else short or think of a funny joke of that or 
I don't know. I don't mean to say the only things funny are making fun of people, but um, it is funny to make fun of people. So uh, let's all just relax a little bit. We're here to have fun. I can't believe you said that, Mike. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I, I totally agree, man. It's it's just. I gone mean, unless too you're far. a short, fat guy with a big nose, then uh, I mean, we can just leave him <laughs> alone. He's already had it hard enough. <laughs> yeah. No. It's. Uh, yeah. I mean. Yeah. There's that fine line, right? I mean, we. But what we're tr- what we're trying to do is make everything a black and white issue. Like, oh, you can't. In the name of comedy, you can't even say that. It's like, no, look, I, I can say that in the comedy where where I you can't say that is if you're being a bully like you're saying where you're like you're trying to be mean intentionally and hurt somebody's feelings nobody's yeah. trying to if you're trying to do that you're an asshole you know and you and, can and do I don't it care. but yeah. we, we can think you're an asshole and just go man frank's a dick did you see him just call that guy fat uh but you can also say like oh my god frank is hilarious the way he busted out that fat joke like it could be done either way it all depends on the intention um yeah and I don't know, a guy who is fat probably doesn't want to be called fat. And maybe it does hurt his feelings if you call him fat. And I guess there's that too. So, I mean, I don't want to go out there, you know, trying to be funny and hurting people's feelings and stuff. So so I, I get that. I don't want to be totally, like, numb and insensitive and, and all that. But I also feel like we're way too touchy these days. And that is certainly not a new thing to say. I'm pretty sure almost everyone would agree with we've gotten way too fucking touchy even with filmmaking, um, you look back at some of the hilarious movies from the 80s or 90s, and if you watch them these days, you can't do so many of the things that you see done in those movies. They're either considered racist or sexist or uh, mean-spirited or just not PC in some way by today's standards that it's really sad because some of these movies are absolutely hilarious. And can't we all just set our fucking our touchiness aside and enjoy a funny movie, even if it is maybe uh, not entirely sensitive to every group or class or type of person ever. Like, goddamn, dude, what kind of a world are we creating where we can't make a fat joke? I I don't want to live in that world, and I choose not to, but um, the world kind of forces you to. And people try to go back and cancel those old movies where in that, you know, and, and it's like, Here's here's the problem I have with that is that that movie was kind of embraced by an entire generation, right? And I'm not I, I'm not saying that there may not be some insensitive things in there. Uh, you know, always we learn from the past, right? So we can't criticize, we can't go and cancel it. We've learned and we've grown from that situation say like there's a a bit of racism in something it's Mm -hmm. horrible to watch sometimes you do see some of those old shows and you got like the black butler or whatever and it's just kind of like Like, you're like movies like blazing saddles or something or like porkies you know the scene where the the kids are like looking through the peephole into the girls locker room and watching them all shower and stuff that's so like super rapey now it's it's strange in this me too era to watch boys spying on naked girls um but uh Porky's was like a, a, an integral part of that era and such a timeless comedy that what are you going to do? You're going to like ban Porky's or are you going to edit that scene out? You know, like, yeah. what do you do with, with hilarious classic content like that, that doesn't age well? And it's history of where we were. We're not there now. Like we should rejoice like, you can't um, make Porky's now. Yeah, you're not making any rapey spying on girls in the locker room scenes in movies now. 
you yeah. just can't do it. So yeah, I mean, we we learn from the past, and that's sure. the other thing, you know. And they try to they're removing, you know, all these statues and everything. And and I don't know, I I honestly don't know enough about a lot of this history because I heard about some statue was removed recently. Uh, Robert E. Lee uh, was removed. Yeah, they've been talking about it for a long time, but they finally just took him down the other day. Okay. Yeah, I don't know much about him, but what I do know is like if you go to Germany, like the horrible concentration camp of Auschwitz is still standing. You it know, it is. And I'm not saying that uh, it's not exactly a monument to what happened there. It's just technically still there. So that's a little different. By building mm -hmm. a monument yeah, to okay. a guy yeah. like like Robert E. Lee, you're literally honoring him with a statue and saying, this is a guy we revere or we're honoring, we're memorializing what he did and who he was. And there's a lot of debate around that. And I love the Civil War era. I'm a, I'm a big history nerd. I, I've read a lot about Robert E. Lee as a general, just as a person, just his whole several biographies on him and, and um, surrounding his war years and countless Civil War books. And I do uh, admire the guy from a military standpoint, but even an honor standpoint, like he's this pillar of honor and um, as a son of Virginia, like his his patriotism to his country, which at that time was Virginia, it wasn't really thought of as a nation. We were thought of as a conglomeration of independent states. So his patriotism to his home country, his state of Virginia, was admirable. But you just can't overlook the fact that he decided to fight for a cause that promoted the enslavement of humans. And yeah, it was a different time back then, but that doesn't change the morality of enslaving people. I mean, it was wrong then, it's wrong now. And oh, um, Robert E. Lee is the... Uh... He was the head commanding general of the Confederate Army. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Yeah, so he led the Confederate Army. Um, and uh, the Confederate Army, among other things, was fighting to maintain their right to keep slaves. And there's a lot of debate around that. There's a lot of revisionist history around there like, oh, the Confederate, the Civil War wasn't fought over slavery. And sure, uh, it's not the sole issue. It did become more and more integral to the efforts on both sides of the North and the South as the war went on. But yeah, uh, the the right to keep slaves and maintain their quote-unquote way of life was was high on the list of reasons that the Confederates chose to secede and fight against the North for their right to secede. Um, and uh, you just can't deny that. And I do think it is weird to memorialize traitors. And these traitors literally... Uh, left the American Union, formed an army, and fought against the Union uh, for their right to secede. And I don't know, man, there's not a lot of other ways to look at that. And yeah, the victors do write the history books. So as a unified American nation, we look back at someone who fought against America, especially Americans who decided to fight against America as traitors. Yes, that's true. And if the Confederate armies had won and they became a separate nation, everything would be different, but there's a lot of if, ands, or buts to every situation throughout history. But, uh, I don't know. I just think it's weird to memorialize Confederate war generals, uh, or, or, I mean, like in, 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 in Germany, 
you don't see a lot of Hitler statues around. And it's like, oh, well, hey, that that was, uh, you know, that was a certain time. And uh, his only thing wasn't killing Jews. He also did other things which, you know, maybe weren't so bad. Like, all right, but we're splitting hairs here. Um, Hitler was a shitty person, and it's wrong to memorialize him in general, uh, globally speaking. I think we can, most of us can agree on that. Uh, so it would be weird if Germany was out there putting up statues of Hitler. Yeah, so... From that standpoint, I, I understand that. And this was in uh, Virginia or West Virginia, I guess. And they're, yeah, they're yeah, more he, than capable of um, making their own decision there, right? I mean, really, it should be like a local decision, I think, where oh, they decide. And it, like, and it was. I mean, it, it was. I mean, uh, I'm sure there's pressure from all sorts of federal and state organizations. Uh, and then ultimately, the parks department i think that runs the ah, dude i don't i don't know exactly but i think it was the gettysburg battlefield or something like that so that's going to be overseen by the uh the parks department or something like that they're going to be the ones who make that decision and ultimately i think what it boils down to is they're tired of protests they're tired of people tagging all over the monuments obviously a lot of people are pissed off about this statue being there so they were just like you know what we're not trying to have a um, uh, a fucking uh, a hot point here. We're not trying to attract all this attention. We're here to um, promote history, and we want people to visit this battlefield and learn about history. We want to just kind of get away from all this controversy. So fuck it. If it's that big of a deal, we're just going to take this statue down. Um, and you're right. It's wrong to memorialize uh, Confederate warriors. Um, I, I think. They just they just didn't want the heat anymore, you know what I mean? It just yeah, becomes too I much. Mean, where they're just like, oh, fuck yeah. it. It's obviously pissing a lot of people off. Let's just it, let's just get rid it, of it. It makes sense. Here's here's what I'm concerned about, and so you know, Venezuela is kind of a, somewhat a fallen state, right? What happened in Venezuela? Um, there's been people that have come out and said that what they saw happening in Venezuela like 15 years ago is happening here. And what that consists of is getting rid of uh, kind of what, what's the word making everything completely politically correct, even like the old street signs, renaming all the street signs, just doing, you know, uh, kind of and it, it is somewhat erasing history, too. And I and, you know, I think what you're mentioning there with that Robert E. Lee statue, that sounds like an acute episode, an acute well, incidence where it's and, like and there, understandable. And there's a big push you know. all over the place to remove Confederate statues um, and then even not even just Confederate Civil War statues or anything, but also remove statues of anyone who was against the advancement of, say, like for like civil rights, who anyone who was against civil rights. Um, they, they would kind of go like, Hey, why are we memorializing this guy? He, he fought to keep, um, black people segregated in this County or whatever, that sort of thing. So there's a big push for that. There's a big resurgence of, of, of getting rid of, uh, monuments to people who were against, um, civil rights advancement. Among I, can, other things, I, but that's I mean, yeah, I, I could see that you're right. Cause what right? You, you don't want to memorialize them. You don't want to well, be like, Hey, this is, uh, you know, I you mean, know. Imagine you're a, you're you're the dad uh, and you're 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 the dad of a black family. You've got a few black a few kids, um, and and your 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 kids like see these statues and go like, "Daddy, who is that guy?" 
you know, like you're, you're a black family living in Virginia and then your kids walk past this Robert E. Lee statue every day. And then your daughter, like we're talking about having to explain things that are difficult to your kids. Like, hey, daddy, that guy on the horse, someone said that he had slaves and he fought to keep slaves. And they're trying to wrap their mind around why is this guy getting a statue? Well, they, why, all had, why is they, they so almost revered? all had slaves. That's not. That's not totally. Like they, oh, you know, uh, absolutely not. Almost every single one of our founding fathers was a slave owner, except John Adams. Um, it's of course, yeah. We're we're not even pretending on that. Slavery was a monstrous part of American culture, inherited from Europe. Uh, we held on to it longer than most areas, um, but uh, hey, no one's perfect, right? I mean, we're still trying to get it right. We still haven't eliminated a lot of those prejudices and inequalities, and there's still a lot of work to do. And we should all just keep working toward that. You know, we shouldn't kick ourselves in the nuts for having made mistakes in the past, but we can all try to be better in the future. Right. We've obviously um, learned from it, you know. Uh, well, I mean, and we're continuing to learn some of us more than others. And, and that just is what it is. I mean, that's the human story. Um, but I do think on those specific notes, it is weird to memorialize and build monuments to Confederate war generals. So I, even as a Civil War buff, I am totally for removing those Confederate statues. And I don't look at it like erasing history at all. Um for anyone who's willing to pick up a history book, there is plenty to read and learn about Robert E. Lee. There is no lack of history. He's a super interesting guy. The Civil War is an incredibly interesting era, and you are totally able to learn a ton about him. So the fact that his statue is no longer there should not retard your ability to go learn about history. So that's a weak-ass cop-out. Did you just call me a retard? Uh, No. No, I no, you know honestly I, would, I don't honestly I'm not I don't, above I'm not I, above I calling not. someone who I really <laughs> like a retard. I would never say that derogatorily uh, to someone uh, mentally impaired or not. I would never use that as a as a negative put down. But I would absolutely call my friend who I love a retard, and that's a fucked up thing. You're not supposed to use the R word anymore. Uh, there again, I'm not perfect, and I'm holding on to some very outdated language well, that uh, was you. funny when we were kids but is not cool anymore. Uh, I, I realize that. I know I'm a terrible person for using that word. And uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm not above I'm not above calling my friend Derek a retard. Yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I, I really have a blind spot when it comes to history. I, I've, I have somewhat of a... I don't have... I guess I don't have enough of an interest to learn that much about history. And had I... If I did... Um, I would be able to speak on that subject, but, uh, otherwise I default to what you're saying there. Yeah. I mean, um, I suppose if nowadays everybody's just looking at him as being a, uh, and antithetical to the civil rights uh, movement, certainly our country doesn't represent that now, or at least I don't well, feel it does. Uh, it's a big part of like the controversy that surrounds the legacy of Christopher Columbus. Um, he is a historical figure who is super easy to hate. Um, sure, he did big things. He obviously didn't discover America, but he did put together an expedition that caused mass awareness of America. Um, he stupidly thought it was the Indies and proclaimed it to be the Indians, and that's why Native Americans are called Indians. Um, it's amazing that that mistaken moniker has stuck so long it's kind of ridiculous, but uh, Columbus 
was a pivotal figure in the expansion of the Western world. But he was also a huge dick and a shameless self-promoter and a huge proponent of slavery or anything that would add profit to the people who financed his expeditions and enslaving the people who happened to already live in the land that you quote-unquote discovered was a huge profit opportunity, and he was not above exploiting that at all. Um, So it's strange to point at guys like Robert E. Lee or uh, any of these Southern generals or prominent Confederate uh, or anti-civil rights people and say like, hey, they're bad. Um, But you look at someone like Christopher Columbus and it's just kind of like, yeah, I know a lot of people are out there like, hey, don't celebrate Columbus Day or Columbus wasn't very good or all these other things. But uh, that case is very strong. And uh, it's also a difficult thing to extract Christopher Columbus from American history. Um, He is... He is ingrained in our country and our, our 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 identity in so many ways that you can't just go, yeah, we're turning our back on Chris um, because, I mean, hell, our capital is District of Columbia. Calling our country Columbia was floated as an idea before we decided on America. Um, I mean, he was a monstrous part of our uh of our existence. Um, but he was also a huge monster and a huge asshole. And, uh, I, I, I love history. And the more I read about Columbus, the more I dislike him. I don't discount what he did. Uh, even though it was just a giant fuck up him blundering on, uh, on the Americas thinking it was India. Um, but even just as a person, he's he's you read what he wrote and he's this shameless, blowhard, self-promoting prick uh, that uh, he's not doing himself any favors. He's a very easy to hate guy. Well, um, I, I can see that if you're somebody who wants to go out and be known to find a new land. Well, he yeah. has to put together enough enough interest in his ambition to find a new land that he needs to generate a shitload of investors not only convince uh, Spanish royalty, uh, uh, Queen Isabella and King Ferdinand, he, he does not only has to convince them that they should back his trip, but he has to secure financing to buy these ships and pay for this super expensive journey. So a certain amount of self-promoting does have to happen. And it's really not any different than um, modern political people out there raising money and asking for contributions and promoting their own ideas and literally promoting themselves to the point of generating enough support to win your presidential campaign or gubernatorial campaign or whatever you're running for. It's the same thing. Um, you did an uh, initial so, public offering of yeah. the Santa Maria. Yeah, no, that's it's literally exactly <laughs> what it was. Yeah, I mean, he had to go out there and just generate a bunch of interest, talk about how awesome he was and how awesome the idea was to generate funding and then get out there and do it. And um, yeah, yeah, Columbus, he's, uh, I don't know. I, and then I fall on both sides of that coin. Like, should we celebrate Columbus Day? Yeah, we probably should. Uh, he was, like I said, integral to the expansion of the Western world, bringing European people over to the Americas and... Uh, the means by which that was obtained was super fucked up and genocidal and easy to look down on. But, um, 
if you're a white guy and proud to be an American, you kind of have to admire his contributions, even if you don't like him as a person, which there's a lot of those guys in history. Yeah, there's definitely been a ton of shitty... I mean, all that's happened is just tons of shitty things. And like, if you look at like every border in this country, I'm sure there was blood fought over it. Dude, you just figure it comes down to just human behavior. Even back when there were like two caveman tribes competing over the same food source of woolly mammoth, I'm sure they did dicky things to each other to improve their own chances of getting more mammoth to eat, which left the other group of cavemen... Uh, more likely to starve and die off. Like, what dicks? But that's just the human... That's just the human nature thing, man. We we fuck others to gain more. And uh, some to a higher degree than others. But, I don't know. I mean, it... Uh, people just kind of suck. That's just like the human thing. But it is what it is. It's an animalistic tendency. And, uh, I don't know. We just are what we are. You know, we try to be good people. But uh, we're all we're all a mix of good and bad, right? Some just have a little more than the other. But none of us are all good or none of us are all bad. Like, I bet even Hitler liked kittens or something endearing. You know, I'm sure he wasn't entirely bad. I mean, he was super bad, but uh, maybe he also helped old ladies cross the street or something. You know, I'm sure there was something good there inside that huge pile of shit. Um yeah. And even like the super good people, like I, I'm trying to think who who's the most revered, greatest Mother person. Teresa. Like, oh, Mother Teresa. I'm sure she like fucking kicked a dog once in her life, you know, or she just got tired of hearing him bark or something where you're just like, oh, man, whoever saw that was probably like, man, Mother Teresa's a bitch. <laughs> um, I'm sure there's all every everyone's that way. I mean, I, I like to think I'm a good person, but there's some some things I've done or even will do in the future that make me a shitty person to some degree. And we're all good and shitty. Yeah, no, and uh, that's what's cool to hear, and that's where we've, uh, on the topic of comedy, it's like, you know, there, I don't think there's been any good comedy lately just because nobody can say anything, right? Dave Chappelle. Oh, Dave Chappelle. Oh, yeah, he broke that barrier, didn't he? Oh, dude, he is hilarious and has, uh, dude, his perspectives are so fun to listen to because he cracks on everybody dude he, he gets more political these days than he used to back in his back in the early days but i mean his his opinions on what's going on in the world today are absolutely hysterical because he points out the um super hilarious and contradictory and terrible things that everyone's doing on all sides of the spectrum uh from making fun of trump to making fun of liberals to everyone in between uh, he pisses off everybody, and at the same time, he entertains everybody, and it's just great comedy. And maybe it's not for everybody, but man, I think Dave Chappelle is just funnier than shit, and his modern, current, latest comedy is uh, just fucking phenomenal. And such a breath of fresh air, because everyone out there is tap dancing around political correctness, and Dave Chappelle is not. He's just stomping right through that puddle, just going, fuck you all! It's so fantastic. Yeah, I think he... Uh... Was that the one where he made the joke when he came back and he was like, you know why I've been gone? Because y'all motherfuckers, you know, or something. <laughs> just like yeah. talking about the political correctness and how you can't say shit. And he, he's, I, I love the outspokenness that he gets on that. He's like, come on now. Like we can't sacrifice comedy or, or free speech in, in general. 
Well, he's carved out a wonderful position for himself in that world because the regular rules don't apply to Dave Chappelle because any other comedian or almost any other comedian or whatever is held to this um, this bar of needing to be PC to some degree. And if they say certain things, then they're, they're going to get canceled. Um, like like Kramer, Michael Richards, you know, he, he went out yelling the N-word on a stage, which, you know, I'm not a huge fan of. Um, but I think he was trying to be funny. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe he did just like lose it and, and throw around the N word and, and he was summarily canceled. Um, he well, apologized they, they still, for it a bunch and they still put yep. him on some shows after that, didn't they? I was yeah, like, what? Yeah. Like, well, because uh, his name yeah. generates an, uh, in, in a, a level of interest, you know? Yeah. Same with like if Hitler was alive today, he would get on talk shows. You know what I mean? I mean, people, mm. anything that, anything that, that, that draws eyes or ears is, is, I mean, shit, look at reality TV these days. You don't have to be a good person to get attention. You can be a huge steaming pile of shit and get plenty of attention. Um, there's some company out there that'll sponsor you. Probably not Nike or any of these family brands, but someone will sponsor you. There's some company out there that would totally sponsor Hitler. <laughs> I, I wouldn't, yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to degrade any companies. You're right, you're right. They probably would. Um, someone someone would, 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 uh, put their name on the back of his jacket. I don't know, maybe like mustache cream or something like that. I don't know, who knows. <laughs> but um <laughs> uh yeah, no, it's super cool though how like guys like Dave Chappelle or I, I can't really even think of any others. I'm sure there's others, but Dave Chappelle has carved out an expectation for himself where people expect him to be uh insulting and like below any PC standards that when he does that it doesn't raise any eyebrows because everyone's like, oh, my God, Dave Chappelle said horrible things. But, uh, you know, it's Dave Chappelle. So he kind of gets a pass, I think, for the most part, uh, where I think if a lot of other comedians said uh, it, it, what he says or even close to what he says, they would just be ostracized and canceled and lynched. But uh, Dave Chappelle has carved a nice little niche out for himself. You know who I'd like to hear nowadays if he was around who would be great in this era? Richard Pryor. Oh yeah, Richard. He wouldn't Pryor. give a fuck either. He'd be like, <laughs> I, "Yeah, I thought you were going to say Red Fox." Oh, Red Fox too. I think yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. If, yeah, no, he didn't give a fuck. But I think he's almost so I don't give a fuck that he would not play well. Where Richard Pryor yeah. was very, uh, he was very heady about his edginess, and I think he like a George Carlin. I think of Richard Pryor like a George Carlin, like super sharp. Um, uh. Is George Carlin still doing comedy? I I miss no, him. No, I miss Carlin's insight. No, he's he's gone. He's gone. He died. Yeah, he passed away quite a few years ago. Oh. Uh, yeah. No, well, he no, was I'm just bummed yeah, out. in some ways he was kind of a uh an oracle for what's happening nowadays. He has some uh, uh yeah. He has some yeah, quotes yeah. that are just uh so uh -huh. um prophetic. on point. Yeah, prophetic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Totally, man. Totally, totally. Um, oh God, I had a thought and I, I lost it now. My devastation over finding out George Carlin's been dead. Um, fuck. What was I talking about? It was good too. Imagine something funny. That's what I was going to say. It was really good. Oh, but I can't remember funny. now. Yeah. yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Good one, Mike. <laughs> yeah. Was it about him or maybe, um... no, no, it was on, it was on the topic of how Dave Chappelle gets a pass. Um, because he can kind of say, Oh, Oh, okay. Well, maybe it's not so funny, but it's a personal story that that I equate to Dave Chappelle's comedy pass, where the regular rules don't apply to him. It made me think of uh, my band playing with 
we played a lot of nightclubs. And a lot of people who liked our band also smoke pot. But you're not really allowed to smoke pot in a lot of these concert venues. And people in the crowd totally still do it. And you smell it when you're on stage. But if, if like, security sees you smoking pot or you're too open with it, you're going to get kicked out. You're not allowed to smoke pot in there, even though a lot of people do in a crowded um, punk rock concert hall, right? Or yeah. dive bar or whatever it is. But we played a show with the Cottonmouth Kings. And their whole thing is smoking pot all the time. That's, like, their thing, man. They're the stoner band. Um, so when the Cottonmouth Kings come to town, none of these regular rules apply to them at all. Uh, we played a show at a club with Cottonmouth Kings, and we'd played shows at this club quite a few times before, and the club was very strict about kicking people out who smoked weed inside the, the club. But when we played with Cottonmouth Kings, all those rules went out the window. It was literally a fucking pot party, dude. Like, people had full-blown big bongs and uh, electric smoking apparatus in the crowd, and everyone was smoking. The whole room was hotboxed. They were even, like, passing joints back and forth from the stage to the crowd. Like, the whole thing was like a pot celebration concert. Uh, and it's all just okay at this club. On this night only, because Cottonmouth Kings are in town. But tomorrow night, no smoking pot. Tonight, no problem. Is that That's a weird thing. Uh, no, it was, uh, I don't even know if it's around anymore. It's the M15 uh, concert um, hall in Corona, California. I don't know if it's still open. I think it's something different now. They they moved away from live concerts. I don't know. I'm sure COVID fucked all that stuff up for a lot of live venues. Um, well, it's a but, school of uh, fish mentality, right? I mean, what what are you going to arrest them all? Yeah, yeah. You know, but you how do you do establish it. that? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure like if one of Bob Marley's 15 kids played a show at this place, they'd be cool with smoking pot that night too. But the night before, when regular old country cover band plays, like, nope, no pot, kicking you out, calling the police. Mass noncompliance. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of an interesting what we thing. Need to learn. Yeah, yeah, we should all just start noncomplying. Then what are they going to do, arrest us all? Yeah, we huh. all grow a weed plant in our yard. Hey, I mean, isn't that me, kind of what happened to weed? I mean, it's like it's been illegal for so long. Everybody smoked it. Everyone was growing it. They're just like, oh, fuck it. They're, they're all going to do it anyway. Let's just start taxing it and make some money here. Pretty much. Not in my state here. It's still illegal. What's the, what's the weed situation there? It's not legal there? Nope. No, what are you, legal. one of the last, the last fucking few states to not uh, recognize the tax revenue potential of legal marijuana? Or what's up with that? I don't know. I don't know. I think it's... Um, it's a it's a religious it's mostly like a religious thing I think it's you know I don't know to me it's like if you if you want uh, freedom of religion you should have free advocate for freedom of weed too <laughs> I don't know uh, well, that doesn't make any sense but uh, I don't know Christians yeah. in my opinion and this may piss some people off but um, Christians in my opinion are very hypocritical in their push for freedom, but not acceptance of freedom. They they want their freedoms for sure, but they aren't so pro other people getting their freedoms. Yeah, I would disagree with that. I mean, I I think you're right in in some ways, just because of the yeah. It's like I, I'm I'm more and more. I'm just I mean, who isn't more libertarian nowadays, right? It's like just live and let live. Like my. If I gr decide to grow weed, it's not going to hurt anybody. If I decide to smoke weed, it's not going to hurt anybody. 
Right. I if know. I try to sell it to your kid, that's a problem, and I should yeah. go to jail for that, uh, whether the weed itself is legal or not. Uh, same as if I was selling your kid cigarettes or alcohol. Like, that's wrong, and you should go to jail. Even though cigarettes and alcohol are legal, there's rules surrounding them, and me giving them to your kid is not cool. Um, so we can agree on those sorts of things. Uh, like, um, yeah, well, I mean, even just like, Wanting freedom and denying freedom to others is like, oh, I want the freedom to do all sorts of things, but anytime uh, freedom equality laws are on the docket for, say, gay people, they're voting against that en masse. Largely, a lot of Christians are voting against those sorts of things. And I think that's incredibly hypocritical to demand your own freedom and exercise your own God-given rights and all these kinds of things and to deny them of others. Like, wow, that is, uh, that's... Uh, that's egregious. Yeah, because it doesn't fit in your world that um, two people well, can marry. Are yours. Yeah, yeah like, or, I, like oh, it says in the Bible that it's bad. Just like uh, okay, well then don't do it. Yeah, no don't one's saying do it. because yeah. it's legal you have to go marry a dude. Yeah, like who are you to pass your judgment on others? Maybe other people don't hold such weight in the Bible's word as you do, and you should live your life by what you think is important. And no one's stopping you. You have the freedom to live your life and not marry a dude. Why would you deny other people any other rights that aren't hurting you? And and why why does it have to be a law? Like that's just silly. That like I mean, I don't know. I I completely agree. I I'm just like live and let live, you know. And as long as you're not hurting anybody, um, you should be allowed to do it. I mean, really not uh, hurting anybody. Like weed. Like if I'm smoking weed here. I'm not uh -huh. hurting anybody. I'm I'm growing a if I grew a plant, which I wouldn't because it's a freaking felony here. Is but, it really? Yeah, it's a felony. Wow. And uh -huh. you don't have any stores there. There's no like medical marijuana in, in uh, CBD. CBD is is just kind of like hit the streets a little bit. Uh, so where yeah, it, but CBD it, is no fun. Well, that's how it starts. So it starts with CBD right. and then it goes to medical and then it goes to, you know, so it's going to happen. I've talked to some people out here kind of in the know with that. And, and that's kind of the progression is that is, yeah, it starts with that and then it moves to medical and then it moves to uh, retail. But, you know, I don't know. That's the only downside I would say here really that I could see because it is a very free state. I will say that like, you do have your freedoms. Like people are not like scared and um, people are not going to be told they have to stay inside and that's their right. You know, if somebody else wants to stay inside, stay inside. Uh, but you can't make people stay inside. That's to me, that's complete communism. Yeah. Those are, those are like tough subjects. Um, I do see both sides. Like I don't want to be told that I have to get a vaccine or I have to wear a mask, or I have to stay inside my house. I don't want to be told all that. I don't want anyone to be told that. But on the same, at the same time, I do see the need to address medical emergencies. And I'm not even saying what we're going through right now needs to be addressed that way. I'm just saying if there is some sort of a medical emergency that requires extenuating circumstances to keep the general public safe, we kind of have to do something. And I'm no doctor. I'm no epidemiologist. I don't know what that something is or what would, what would qualify as a big enough, a medical emergency to start infringing on people's freedoms in those ways. 
But there has to be some sort of level of uh, addressing medical emergencies, you know? Uh, those are difficult questions to kind of say, like, hey, there's this Ebola virus out there spreading around like wildfire, and when you catch it, your face falls off. Um, that's that's a big deal, and we would certainly want rules in place to protect us and our family uh, from getting the, the face-falling-off Ebola virus. Um, you know what I mean? Well, so, well are... so here's the thing, though. Here's, here's the caveat, is that um, if you trust government, you don't know history. Well, there's, yeah, there's, there's that. No, there's no getting around that. But we all uh, don't want anarchy, right? Um, you know, I, I think if, if you are scared or fearful, don't go out. You know, do what you got to do to protect yourself. But you can't tell people what okay, to do. So... So look at it from this side. So like, okay, I choose to not go out because I'm afraid of the face falling off Ebola, Ebola virus. I don't want to get that. So I'm staying home. But a lot of other people are out there saying, fuck it. If my face falls off, it falls off. And they're going about their business, which causes this Ebola virus to proliferate more and be a problem for longer. Now that's infringing on my situation because now I'm forced to avoid it longer. So now I'm having to choose to stay home longer because other people are out there uh, spreading this face-falling-off disease. And if they just avoided it, it would end quicker, and we could all go back to being normal. Well, who benefits from that narrative? That narrative right there, people don't agree on. So, uh, right. you know, you, you could say, like, that's what's happening, but there's many, many, many doctors that do not agree with that narrative, that this is endemic. This is not going anywhere. It's here to stay because it does pass to animals too. So this herd immunity thing is kind of like, okay, well, you know, it, it's it's going to be a flu. I mean, we're already seeing variants. There's no way to stop it. Uh, so who benefits? So I don't know if you know what's going on in Australia right now. I don't think you do because I don't think uh, most of the world does. I do. Okay. So in South Australia, they're being forced. Well, first of all, they can't go three kilometers outside their house. Second of all, they have people in the military are going door to door to make sure that your friends are not inside your house. It's just your family. Going door to door? I yes. don't like the feeling of that at all. They are also pulling people out of their homes and putting them in COVID camps, what they call COVID camps, COVID recovery centers. Whoa. They're pulling children away from families there. There's vid there's two videos that show it where they're actually pulling a child away from, from an unvaccinated parent. They're doing mass vaccinations on children uh, where the, the parents are not allowed to go inside this mass vaccination thing. And supposedly there's a video that shows two of them that did not make it inside there. Two out of wow. 24,000. That's that's. That's a rather high number, if you ask me. And then you have South Wales. What they were just forced to do was install an app on their phone by the government. And when they get a, a an alert on their phone from the government, they have to take a picture of their face within 15 minutes or an authority is going to show up at your door. I'm not uh -huh. lying about any of this. This is all dead straight serious. Like That all sounds like, wow, I mean, I do not want to live in a society like that. 
That's and coming. Think, no, no, that that's that's coming here. If you yeah. this this is ninety nine this is ninety nine point nine seven percent survivable. That's not debatable. Uh, the that I mean that's what it is. So like yeah, you got to look we're not at looking at the face falling off Ebola virus that I'm jokingly talking about. Uh, yeah. We are talking about something similar to like, uh, like the influenza epidemic. I've read about the the Spanish flu, the influenza epidemic of 1918, and that swept through in multiple phases. Um, it the virus increasingly mutated to become less and less virulent, and eventually um, found a moderate level of virulency to where it didn't devastate populations like it did originally. Um, and they presented a neat, an interesting perspective on why the virus mutated to become less and less deadly. It's because uh, evolution doesn't support a life force that kills itself. So if a virus kills everybody, it can't continue to spread because it doesn't have any people to live in. So a virus is going to evolve and mutate to become moderately virulent to where it still makes you sick enough to spread itself, the virus wants you to get sick enough to cough and sneeze and, and spread snot and mucus so that it can spread to other people, but it doesn't want to kill everybody because then there's no more people to spread it. The virus kills itself. It, it eliminates its host or food source. So um, eventually, by, by using that as an example, something like a coronavirus will never go away. Uh, it was here long before the COVID-19 um, situation, and it'll be here forever after, uh, it's going to eventually mutate into a moderate, or it already is, I mean, nothing like that original um, influenza epidemic of 1918. Uh, it's going to mutate into just what it is, and eventually it's going to be, yeah, like a flu. Not, and, I'm not saying it's what, the yeah. flu and whatever. It'll just be a circulating, ever-changing, evolving virus that we're just going to have to get used to essentially we're going to need to get better at treating it and uh we're just going to have to learn to live with it and i think we're going through those growing pains right now where we we have this human naivety naivete where we think we can beat something like a virus and uh really the best we can do is just learn to live with it because we will never eradicate a virus and on the flip side i just see a complete control grab here, uh, because oh, yeah, if you, yeah. I mean, it's if an you opportunity to exploit fear, and that is always easily manipulated. And anywhere something's easily easily manipulated, it's absolutely manipulated by those who seek power. Yeah, uh, in my mind, Australia is has already kind of fallen. Like when you know when you've and you know keep in mind they took their guns like ten year, ten fifteen years ago, so they have no way to fight back a tyrannical government, and that's that's what I feel like we're kind of experiencing now. They're just seeing what it is that they can get away with as much as possible. And, uh, you know, the people are playing right into the hands of this situation because they believe everything that they, they listen to. And and they're kind of the henchmen on behalf of, of the government as well. Um, it's really kind of a sad situation. It's almost devolving into a... Uh, I think, you know, we've talked about this before, but uh, a massive amount of division. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, where, and that's you know, part of how you leverage control is by dividing people. Uh, divide to, and conquer. 
Yeah, 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 totally. United we stand, divided we fall. I mean, uh-huh. it's it's written down everywhere. Uh, it's because this isn't anything new. And uh, another thing with the, the flu of 1918, they also did um, uh, big vax campaigns back then too. And I, uh-huh. I saw a, um, you know, back then they didn't have memes, but memes, but they made a sign and it was kind of uh, one that like had the doctor kind of like coiled up like a snake, you know? So I, I don't know, you know, so it, we think we're always in a new era Oh, where yeah. uh, different, you know, that we've never experienced. I think I think these things come in and out. Um, they, and history, uh, well, history never repeats itself, but uh, situations are very cyclical, and scenarios absolutely repeat themselves in different circumstances. Um, and it, you're right. When I was reading about the 1918 pandemic, uh, there were a lot of interesting similarities that I never knew existed because that was way before my time and all the sorts of many similar things we're dealing with now during the COVID deal is uh, a lot of, you know, people who were told to wear masks. Um, people were actually being arrested for not wearing masks. There was a lot of that going on, even in my, uh, in my local area, Corona in this, uh, in this area where I live, um, there, I was looking into some history of some old buildings and then it went through the era of the pandemic uh, from 1918, and there were actually, like, police out there enforcing mask mandates and stuff like that right here locally. I mean, that was totally going on. Uh, so very similar shit to, like, what we're what we're dealing with now. Uh, in that sense, that history is very cyclical. Um, yeah. And it will be moving forward. Like, we're not... Um, uh, pandemics or outbreaks or these sorts of things are nothing new. Um, but uh, the means to which they're exploited are... Not new, but certainly an evolving opportunistic um, situation. So what we're dealing with right now is an already divided society, especially in America. I'm sure other places too, but certainly in America, an already divided, ripe for the further division society. And this pandemic has provided a, uh, a very opportunistic catalyst to to wedge those sides further apart and exploit that division. Uh, so I think that's what we're seeing and that's all pretty scary, but it's nothing new. I think we should always keep that in perspective too, is that good people, uh, will always be good people. And if we can all just try to keep that in perspective, it will make it harder to make us hate each other. And I also feel optimistic about Australia purely on the belief that Australians are tough motherfuckers and even without guns, I think Australians could kick some political dudes' asses with a Foster's in one hand and wrangling a crocodile with the other. Uh, they're some tough motherfuckers. Um, I think they will come out of this uh, sooner or later. Probably sooner. I don't think that they are going to just lie down and take it. Um, I like to think Australians are tougher uh, than that. I also think they're hilarious. I really enjoy Australian comedians. There's something about the accent and their sense of humor that I find super funny. Um, so I hope Australia pulls out of this because I, I do too. I yeah, need more comedy. I, no, I, I'm worried about it because um, the other thing that's really scary about it, you don't see a one blip about Australia on the news and that's what they're not, doing over there. That's not the kind of message they want going out in America. 
That's no. not what they want us talking about. That's not what they want us aware of. Because that's what like they the, want. Uh, yeah, same thing about all that shit that was going on in France like a year or two ago where people, well, oh, right after the uh, Notre Dame burned and there was all kinds of money put together to rebuild Notre Dame. The yellow vest Maybe there was more surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, but uh, God, I wish I knew more about that. Essentially, it was an uprising to my understanding was um, people that wanted a little bit more economic equality uh, in France and they were rising up against the privileged classes and fucking rioting and, and just tearing France down. But you saw very little of that coverage uh, here in the States. Yeah, that was totally blocked out. Yeah, that went on for a long time, too. Long time. And I, I talk to people who who think that they're in the know. And, uh, you know, I, I used to uh, respect their political opinion. And then I would say, like, you know, what do you think about the Yellow Vest movement in France? Huh? Like oh, the not, yellow vest. That's what I was thinking. Red for some reason. Yellow vest. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like nothing. I'm like okay, yeah, it's only been going on uh, for um, you know uh, forty consecutive weekends now um, yeah. with riots in the streets. Every tens of thousands of people taking to the yeah. streets every day, uh, and it is France, you know. So it's not like it's not a uh, it's not like a third world country where we can kind of sweep yeah. it under the rug and just say like, oh, well, that's. That's happening in a third world country. And then like, yeah, that's not being shown. Australia is not being shown. Um, uh, France right now uh, is all is going through an upheaval as well. Still with I mean, it's arguably gotten worse now with the uh, because they have their green pass or their pass. And uh, they're really rebelling. I mean, every weekend the the streets are completely full in France uh, protesting. Um, Yeah. And uh, not a blip of it, not a blip of it. And, you know, to me, it's kind of like, well, you know, we need to see what the common threat is that I feel like that's what's going to pull people together is when we actually see the threat. I hope it's not too late at that point uh-huh. when we all see that threat. Um, I think it, it has been in Australia, um, but, you know, we'll see. I don't know. I, we need to come together, though. Yeah. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And on that note, we'll wrap it up on the feeling of brotherhood, togetherness, and uh, we all just need to be cooler to each other. But at the same time, we need to make fun of each other for being fat. Like, we can't lose that. Uh, But we do all need to be, um, we just need to be cool, man. We're all on the same page. We're all just trying to live in society. Um, It sounds like hippie bullshit, but we all just need to be cool to each other. Like, relax, uh, laugh, enjoy yourselves, enjoy your family, and uh, stop being a dick. And, uh, you know... Just let everyone live. Let everyone do their thing. Live and let live. You said it earlier. That's the easiest way to say it. Amen. All right. Well, this has been fun. Always a great time talking to you, D. Yeah, um, same And uh, you have a great rest of the day. And uh, I'll talk to you soon, brother. All right. Have a good one, man. Thank you all for listening to Derek and Mike. We really enjoyed doing this podcast, hopefully as much as you enjoy listening to us. If you feel so inclined to share this podcast with your friends, please do so. You can find us online at DerekandMike.com or on Twitter at DerekandMikePod. Ways you can help us would be to hit the like button, subscribe button, give us five stars, share a comment. Let us know you're there. We'd love to hear from you. Until next time, bye.